0: Well, welcome to church, everybody. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you a message that I preached at our camp because we felt like it was a, a, an important message, a message that we wanted to make available online. And so here we go. If you have got your Bible, would you turn with me to Isaiah 10, verse 20? It says this. In that day, the remnant of Israel, the survivors of Jacob, will no longer rely on him who struck them down, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Verse 21, it says, a remnant will return. A remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. And then jump with me a few scriptures down to Isaiah 61, one to four, says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty, instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew and the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Let's pray and then get into this message today. God, we thank you for your presence. Father, we thank you for what has been taking place in our church. We, we give you thanks for such an incredible camp, a time with you, Lord. And Father, we just thank you that over this season you have been edifying your church. You have been building your church. And Father, I pray that for every person who is listening to this message today, Lord, would you speak? Father, we thank you that you know what is going on in our lives. And so Holy Spirit, would you come and would you move? And would you speak to us about those things that maybe are are deep on the inside, uh, that only you can see, that only you can speak to? We thank you, Father, that you are at work in Jesus' mighty name. And every person said, amen, amen. If you don't know me, um, that's totally fine. If you do know me, you will know that I love gardening. I love it. Like for a season there on my Instagram, it honestly looks like I was, that's all I did. I was just a gardener. I love gardening so much. It's kind of been a new thing, but not really. Any time that I've had kind of like a plot of land where I'm able to do something with, I have done something. I've I've tried to grow veggies of some sort. But over the last kind of year and a half, it has been a great joy for me to really engage in this uh, part of who I am. And so I, for those of you who don't know, I love gardening. It just fascinates me. And about a year and a a bit ago, in the spring of 2021, I was able to start a garden at our new house. And it was a joy. And it's a joy for me, at least. I think Levi feels as though he once had a backyard and now no longer has a backyard. But in place of that, he has got fresh vegetables. I mean, what's not to love about that? And so I was able to start my garden and and it did um, start off Fairly uh, small, but over time has grown. Like I said, it's kind of taken over a little bit. But one of the things that has been truly fascinating to me about this whole gardening process has been the journey of my tomatoes. And here's why. Last year, when I went out to kind of get my garden sorted and I did the whole thing, you know, I got like a piece of paper, I, I got the planning book out, I, I read a whole bunch of things like companion planting, you know, you should plant this next to that because it's going to make it taste better, or you should plant this next to that because it's going to keep the aphids away, whatever, all those different kinds of things. I, I got out there, I started planning, and I found a little area where I could put my tomatoes. I had enough space to fit tomato plants. So off I went to the uh, plant store, I went to Home Depot and I got some tomato saplings came home, planted them, and in the summer, I ended up with a huge harvest of tomatoes. So many tomatoes. I had tomatoes coming out of my ears. I didn't know what to do with them. I was making sauces. I was making, uh, you know, pasta sauces. I was making soups. I was making um, to- tomato ketchup, a whole a whole range of different things. There were so many tomatoes. I couldn't keep up. It was wonderful. Um, but, you know, I would go out there and, and I'm a highly visual person and create scenarios in my mind and so I'd go out and if there were tomatoes you know that had fallen to the ground I felt so bad because I felt like they'd be sitting there and and I just imagine like veggie Tails, you know like I didn't even grow up with veggie Tails, but for some reason I'm looking at these tomatoes that have fallen to the ground and started to rot and I feel like they're yelling out at me like I could have been something you know like it's It's wild, it's bizarre. I had so many tomatoes that I ended up with a whole bunch of tomatoes that had fallen to the ground and had rotted. But, came to this year, the spring of this year, and I went to go and do the same thing. Of course, I was going to grow my veggie garden and make it bigger. Uh, Like I said, take over, it's now no longer a backyard. But, went out and I thought, okay, what am I gonna do with the tomato area? And how how many plants can I fit this year? And I went out there and for some people, this would be of no surprise to you, but it was a surprise to me. I I was new to tomato gardening. I went out there and I didn't just have like a couple of saplings growing in the places where there had been rotten tomatoes. I didn't just have 10, I didn't even have 20. I honestly didn't even have 50. I went out there, and in the places where tomatoes had dropped and had rotted, these rotten tomatoes, I had hundreds of saplings, tomato saplings, coming up through the ground, and I was shocked. I didn't even just have them in the box where I had the tomatoes out on the pathways, in the rocky pathways. I had saplings, tomato saplings started starting to grow. There were so many saplings that I needed to start pulling them all out because they weren't going to fit in there as full-grown plants. Like I said, there were hundreds. The year prior, I had four. I could fit four, and now I had hundreds. Not just in the box, outside of the box. They were growing everywhere. And so I ended up giving away, I was giving away so many tomato saplings. And it fascinated me that through these rotten tomatoes, and then for those of you who understand the Canadian winter, through a brutal Canadian winter where you would expect that everything kind of dies, it does, it's it's like, it's just not a growing season. The darkest, coldest of times, that through through it all, there was a remnant, there was a seed. And within that seed, that small remnant of a plant, now long gone, that plant no longer existed, but it was a remnant of a plant long gone, there was life, and not just a bit of life. There was abundant life. We'll come back to this uh, soon, but for now, let's get back to the Bible. I'll never forget hearing the story of um, someone who would be in church, and any time the preacher would start to kind of like tell illustrations for too long, because that can tend to happen. Um, the lady at the back would would yell out, back to the Bible preacher. And so that plays in my mind anytime one of my stories is going too long. Anyway, so back to the Bible, back to the Bible. Um, Israel and the church are two of the main characters in the Bible's wonderful unfolding story. One plays a huge role in the Old Testament, Israel, and the other in the New Testament, the church. And how these characters relate has been one of the biggest questions Christians have been trying to answer since the first century. Who fulfills the Old Testament promises about Israel's salvation? This is big questions. Are these promises fulfilled by Israel or by the church? Um, For some of you right now, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Is the church Israel In Israel, the church, are they one and the same? Or do they represent the same thing? Like it's the same thing, but with different names to represent different seasons. We see that sometimes in the Bible when Saul becomes Paul, same thing, but it's like different seasons or Simon becomes Peter. Is their story, the story of the Israelites, our story as the church? Or are we simply to read this as a historical account of a group of people? And I'm so uh, grateful for the Apostle Paul um, because when we start to read Romans, at least a part of the picture becomes a little more clear for us. It's, It's more clear for others, but for some of us, it just becomes a little more clear for us that yes, in the Old Testament, there is a story of the Israelites, God's people, those who are a part of his family, his chosen people. But as Paul so beautifully puts it, and thank the Lord for this, it's those who proclaim Jesus now as their Lord and Savior. It's through the work of Christ that both Jew and Gentile, those who were far from God and are grafted into his family. And to that we can all say, amen, that we get an opportunity to be a part of his family. And throughout history, we have seen the story of the Israelites mirrored or retold, outworked again and again in our very own story as the church. It's pretty cool. It's incredible to think that as we read the real account of an entire people group who experienced all of these amazing moments and and heartbreaking moments, we too can identify with their story as the New Testament church. We got it out. We are intrinsically connected. Our stories are intrinsically connected. God, through his word, through the Bible, has been so good not just to give us a foreshadowing of Christ himself, we see that throughout the Bible, but to give us a foreshadowing of ourselves, of our story, of our journey, something that we can connect to as the church. And the scripture right here that we are reading today, that we're diving into today, provides for us A powerful prophetic picture of our time, I believe. Maybe it's always a powerful prophetic picture, but I believe that right now it's a prophetic picture of our time. And that is this. There is a picture of a people in ruin. In ruin. But there's hope because there's a remnant, which leads to a rebuilding, a restoring, and a renewal. It's a powerful story. You and I, my friends, I believe we are that remnant. And I believe together we can be a part of building, maybe rebuilding and restoring and the renewal of the church. If you're taking notes today, my message is entitled, The Parable of the Rotten Tomatoes. The Parable of the Rotten Tomatoes. Because I choose to believe that just like those rotten tomatoes that fell to the ground, rotted away, there is a remnant, there is a seed that will withstand the storms, will hold fast through the dark seasons, and when spring comes, will rise. And like the scripture so beautifully puts it, what a powerful scripture it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. And this is the second uh, sentence is perhaps the most important. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. A planting of the Lord. No one else, a planting of the Lord. Why? For the display of his splendor. The parable of the rotten tomatoes. So if you're taking notes, I've just got three thoughts that I want to share with all of us today around this idea of a remnant, around this idea of the parable of the Rotten Tomatoes. And my first point, I'm just going to put it out there. Super not awesome. It is not going to make you feel really great. It's kind of depressing. It's kind of hard to hear. But I feel like we just need to start talking about the elephant in the room as the church, We need to start talking more about the elephant in the room because elephants don't, um, you know, they shouldn't be in rooms. They don't belong in rooms. Why is there an elephant in the room? Guys, we need to address the elephant in the room and get that thing back to the zoo, like get it out of the room. And so my first point, as I explain super not exciting, is this. There is a ruin. Woo! Woo! preach. Amen. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you were amening that in that moment. <clears throat> there is a ruin. The scripture talks about ancient ruins, places long devastated. It talks about ruined cities that have been devastated not just for um, one season, but it says for generations. There is a ruin. Ruins. I don't know if you've you've noticed, but over the last few years, there have been so many stories when it comes to the church, and they're not like the kind of stories that, you know, the people of God, a royal priesthood, those belonging to him, it's not really, excuse me, oh my gosh, that I'm finding this point so hard that I literally can't even preach it. They're not really the kind of stories um, that we want to be known for, you know, stories of pain, stories of heartache, stories of disappointment, confusion, broken relationships, false prophets left, right and centre whose mission is to try and tear the church apart, theologians who have never studied theology, It seemed for a while there that there was another man of God falling by the month. I mean, come on, guys. It was like, you're just adding more fuel to the fire that is already like, we're already trying to like pat this thing out. And then it's like, oh, there goes another one. There has been so much ruin. I mean, books, I don't know about you, but there are so many books coming out about things taking place in the church that shouldn't be taking place in the church. And some of those books are, actually really healthy. It's like, okay, whoa, I didn't realize. And then some of the books, it's like anything, right? Some are are good, some are bad, but the ruin is there. It's unavoidable, and it's in every area. There's ruin with people who are like, oh, it's just more hurt Christian. There's ruin with people who are like, I love this person even though they don't really teach great theology, but I'm just going to jump on board. There is ruin everywhere and to try and turn our back on it is not the answer we must communicate like a healthy family to try and walk past the elephant constantly is not the answer we need to get the elephant out of the room how do you it's it's that saying right how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time to try and ignore it is not the answer we need to recognize it for what it is there is a ruin there is a ruin Let us not be those who turn a blind eye or just run from the pain because we disagree, feel uncomfortable or hold different views about all sorts of different things. But let us be those who lament with the broken, who repent, take the low road, who reconcile, who stoop low just as Jesus did. Let there be a people who stop being consumed with our own lives and return to the heart of the Father, as this scripture makes so clear when it's talking about the remnant returning to the heart of the Father. They went off, they created ruin, and they needed to return to the heart of the Father. And let me encourage you, taking the low road seems unfair at times, but there's hardly any traffic on the low road, it turns out. And so in my opinion, you'll find yourself moving towards the promises of God much quicker. There's hardly any traffic down there. But together, most importantly, let us be those, like I said, who return to the Lord as the scripture makes so plain. Recognize what is taking place and hear the cries of a generation return to the heart of God, because the heart of God is for his people. My concern for many Christians today is that we are so consumed by arguments, by our own opinions, by our own frustrations, by theology that hasn't been tried and tested throughout generations to focus on ourselves, that we are failing to hear the cries of the next generation, the cries of the lost. We are failing to continue to reach the lost because we are distracted. I'll never forget um, being at a conference and listening to a preacher talk about how um, they would sacrifice to Baal the, the, um, Baal, the God, and how they would bring their babies. It was child sacrifice to the God Baal, little G obviously, um, would bring their babies and, and ch- it was child sacrifice and they would have to have drums, playing as the, the, the woman and as the fathers would bring their children, their babies to sacrifice on the altar to be burnt for Baal. They would have the drums playing and the reason that they would have drums beating was to ensure that it would drown out the cries of the children in case the, the mother or father would hear the cries of their child and decide to turn back and take them off the altar Listen, in our journey as Christians, there will always be drums, drums beating to try and drown out the cries of a generation who so desperately need God and we can get distracted by silly things, maybe by important things, but we can still be distracted from the main thing. Drums of distraction, of our own pain, of opinion, of judgment, drums of hurt, of exhaustion, of disappointment, bad experiences, drums of hatred, of rage, bitterness, confusion, ideologies becoming idolatry. There are always drums, especially especially right now. And too many Christians are simply trying to look away from the ruins. Look away. Look away from it all. But the answer is not to look away from the ruin. We must recognise the ruin. Repent for the ruin. Reconcile with the ruin. Return to God, to the Father's heart for His people. Get better at saying sorry we cannot rebuild the ruins if we do not see them and if we do not hear them. If we don't hear them, there is indeed a ruin. I hope you're feeling super encouraged right now. Point number two, let's, let's just like bring this. Come on, We're, we're going to get back up. We're going to pull ourselves up out of the dust right now. <laughs> Point number one there is a ruin. But point number two, there is a remnant. And you and I, my friends, we are that remnant. Globally, they say that churches have lost a third to a half of their congregations. You're wondering why we're that remnant? There you go. We know of many churches that have more than halved. In America, in the year 2000, over 70 percent of people said they belong to a church compared to 2021, where that number was down to 47%. A friend of ours in a prominent city said that they have lost half of their congregation and closed down two campuses. We know of churches that have gone from 8,000 people down to 300 people. We know of churches who have lost their uh, senior pastor. We know of churches that have had Pastors who have had moral falls, there has just been thing after thing after thing. Now much can be said about this kind of information, right? Many would say those churches were unhealthy and needed to close. Many would say it's incredibly sad that they loved that church and it was really heartbreaking to see what took place. To be honest, I think most of us don't actually know why. We like to think we know why, but most of us don't know why. There are many reasons for all sorts of different things taking place. I have learnt, just as a side note, that the rumour mill is a nasty place full of wheat that makes your stomach sick. So it's better to just avoid it. But what we do know is this, in this cultural moment, when it comes to the church, there is a remnant. There is. There are a group of people who have remained. And it's the story of my rotten tomatoes that I find much encouragement from. Because no matter the rot, no matter the cold, the winter, the excruciating conditions, God finds a way to protect the seed of Abraham. And no matter how bleak things may seem, there is a remnant, there is a seed. And where there is a remnant, where there is a seed, there can be a rebuilding. Just as it was with that seed that made it through the rot of those tomatoes. In fact, it was probably the rot that caused it to be fertilised so well. How good is God like that? That He will take the rot of our lives and He will use it to fertilise the soil for what new thing He is about to bring about in our lives. It blows me away that God can work all things for the good of those who love Him. That even through the rot, that it would make it through the cold, Dark days and those seeds will become a great harvest. Never underestimate the power of a remnant. The power of a group of people who have remained. The power that is found in the seed of Abraham, the unstoppable seed of Abraham. And I love the scripture that talks of the remnant and what happens when the remnant returns to the father's heart. Check this out. It says to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Man, I am ready for that. Give me that crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. I believe that the church is moving into a season again of joy. We need to recognize the ruin, but as the remnant returns to the Father's heart as we return to God, as we return to the truth of His Word, that He will give us joy, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. A planting of the Lord. You are not remaining out of coincidence. You are not a part of um, God's, God's church because of coincidence. A planting of the Lord. That remnant is a planting of the Lord. God has planted you where you are today for a reason. For the display of his splendor, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. I believe that God is doing something significant in his church. We need to recognize the ruin, but man, there is a remnant, and we can never underestimate what God can do with a remnant of people, with those who have remained, with those who have got through the rot, with those who have. With managed to get through the darkest of seasons, that God will use those people who return to his heart to do something special. The parable of the rotten tomatoes is the story of the seed of Abraham. And that story is our story, that no matter what happens, God finds a way to renew, restore, And rebuild his church because that is his plan. Generation after generation, man may fail, but God never will. He will continue his plan, and the seed of Abraham is unstoppable because God always has a plan despite our failures. And point number three, if you're taking notes, is this we must rebuild. We must rebuild. We must rebuild in order to restore. Restoration takes a bit of hard work. Have you ever like tried restoring something? It takes sacrifice. It requires a bit of elbow grease. Have you ever tried to restore something back to its previous glory, to its original splendor? Honestly, I've tried. But I'm one of those people who who gets bored really, really quick. I get over it. I'm like, give me a fresh canvas and I'm good. Something new that I can get started with, I can turn that thing into something. But restoring a piece of furniture, sanding it back, like you watch those people who are just like meticulous. They are so good. Sanding it back. I miss all of the crucial steps. I I intend to do it. I go in with the best intentions. I'm like... "Ah." this piece of antique amazingness, I am going to restore it. I I get started and it quickly just doesn't work out for me. Does it need sanding back? Cannot be bothered. Needs priming? Also cannot be bothered. I'm like, no, it'll be fine. I'll just put paint right across it. Anyone out there who does that as well? So I end up with a restored piece of furniture that looks like rubbish, that probably looks worse than when it came in. It's just hard work. Here's why. You're usually repairing the damage that others have caused. But Jesus, the great carpenter, invites us into that restorative journey. And he asks of us to give of ourselves that we may join him in the building and sometimes the rebuilding of his church. Listen, it's tough work to get into that. It's tough work to restore and sometimes we get there and we're like, well, I can't be bothered. Look at, the, look at it, it's a mess. And, and look, look this, these people did it. Look at what's going on. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And yet Jesus, he's there restoring, building, always building his church. And he looks at us. I, I just picture him looking at us and kind of just saying, hey, you know, people have done some stuff. But this here, this is mine. It's not theirs, it's mine. And I'm building my church. I'm restoring my church. And he invites us to be a part of that. Who are we to join with our Savior in doing anything? And yet the the thing he said he would build, that he is... Every day, building and restoring and renewing. He invites us into that process and he says, yeah, I get it. It's hard sometimes to join in and to restore something when other people have made a mess, but it's still mine. Will you join with me? What a beautiful picture that is. It's in the church, in the church that I found God. It's through the church that I came to learn more about who he is. It's through the church that I learned I had a family much bigger than my own, brothers and sisters across the globe, carrying the same light, the same message of hope for the lost, for the broken. It's through the church that I met my husband, or at least through church connections. It's in the church that I had my kids and found great friends, and they found friends. It's in the church that I found examples of a healthy marriage and healthy families. It's in the church that I had powerful moments of worship that changed my life. It's in the church that I was prayed for and received a miraculous healing of something I was going through physically. It was in the church that I believe I heard angels singing. It was actually this year. That I looked around, we did not have a lot of people. We were in this building. There were not a lot of people in the room, but man, it sounded like there were hundreds. It's in the church that I've made my closest friends people who are not just great friends, but who carry the mission with me, who carry this precious gift of the gospel message. Has there been ruin along the way? Absolutely but man, my family prepared me for the church. Maybe your family did too. I never expected perfection, I, and don't get me wrong, I love my family, but my family's all over the show. There is stuff going on left, right, and center. There, is, there have been wild things take place in my family. I never expected perfection from the church because we don't expect perfection from our family. And just like my family is sometimes messy, and maybe your family is sometimes messy. Guess what, guys? Spoiler alert. God's family is sometimes messy. We need to stop coming into this thing believing that it's going to be a walk in the park. When is life ever a walk in the park? When is it ever a walk in a park when you get a group of humans together in the same room? Oh my gosh. The I'm surprised we even manage to keep going every Sunday with how shocking we can be. It's by God's grace that we are a family that holds together. But just like your family is worth building, the church is worth building. Just like your family is worth loving, the church is worth loving. The church is worth serving. The church is worth prioritizing. The church is worth believing in again. The church is worth restoring. And it's the church that Jesus said he would build. Jesus said that. No one else did. The man that we follow, the man who disciples us, our teacher, our rabbi, our Lord, our saviour, he is the one who said he would build his church. It is the church that he is building. And it's the church that he says he is coming back for. The unstoppable seed of Abraham is the parable of the rotten tomatoes. The question is not whether there is ruin. Of course there is. There is ruin. We have seen the elephant. Great. We've talked about it. The question is not even whether there is a remnant of people. Here you are. Here I am. We're here. There is a remnant. The question is actually will you join in And the rebuilding, and the building, and the loving, and the partnering, and the restoring. Matthew 16, 18 says this And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Every person who's listening today, would you close your eyes with me as we come to a close? Today I really, really believe that there are some people where there is today, you know, perhaps this word has been speaking to you. And maybe it's been refreshing to hear that there's a ruin. Maybe you feel as though you haven't actually been able to recognize the ruin. It's, been, it's caused too much pain for you. Perhaps you were a part of that pain. I've been a part of the pain of people's journey and it's a hard journey to walk. But we have got to recognize what is taking place in the church and we need to be a group of people who see that we are the remnant. And I believe that there are some people today and perhaps you feel as though there's some forgiveness that needs to take place. There's maybe a recommitment to what God is doing that needs to take place. Maybe today you're saying, you know what? Okay, Lord, I see you. I see you restoring. I see you doing the work. And I hear that invitation to come and join with you. And maybe you've ignored that invitation for far too long. And now Jesus, God, is saying, would you join with me in building what I am building? Whatever it is that the Lord is speaking to you today, let us pray in this moment. And I pray that as your eyes are closed and you just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, that he would speak, like I said at the beginning, to those deep places and together, allow ourselves to let God show us what he wants to do in our lives. So, Lord, right now, we just take a moment to just allow you to speak. Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts? Would you maybe even find those places of pain, perhaps those places of trust that has been broken? maybe those places of unforgiveness. And Lord, would you come and do what only your spirit can do and just bring healing, comfort, maybe just rest for our soul. Would you speak to us? And Father, for those who maybe need it, would you challenge us today? Help us to be those who don't get stuck don't get stuck Lord, but who can move forward and continue to walk with you continue to journey with you and father right now I just pray for the church I pray Lord that you would pour out your presence upon it that you would join us together father I ask for unity over your church for healing over your church for wisdom that we would return to the Father's heart, that we would return to the truth of God, your word, and we would trust you and we would join with you with the unstoppable seed of Abraham. And Lord, right now, we thank you that we even get invited in. We thank you that we get to be a part of it. In Jesus' mighty name. And every person said, Amen, amen. Be blessed today. I hope that you enjoyed that message and we will see you next week.